Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with Ken Moskowitz. In the last episode, we discussed Ken's career journey and what it was like for him to leave his job and start his own business. We discussed what to expect when starting a business and how Ken grew his business by taking on a partner. In today's episode, we will discuss seven tips we can use to start or improve our business. In your book, uh, Jab Till It Hurts, you talk about gatekeepers. Will you, will you just talk to the audience a little bit about how gatekeepers are relevant to this process of quitting your job and starting something new? Yeah, in the, in the corporate world, there are gatekeepers who stop you from getting places, from going places. And oftentimes people think about gatekeepers as, well, how am I going to get past this person? How am I going to get that, past that person? Well, in 2021, with the state of the internet being what it is, if you wanted to start your business tomorrow, there are no gatekeepers to stop you from starting your business. There's nobody to get in your way of hanging your shingle and not talking medical. I'm talking, you know, proverbial shingle of here's my business. Here's what I do because you could. So this is how real it is today. You could go to bed tonight, have a thought, a dream about a business, wake up tomorrow morning, go to squarespace.com, build your version one website, go to payment processor number one, Stripe or PayPal, right? Connect all those dots and you have built a business page. Now, right now you're acting as a sole proprietorship. You haven't filed anything, but guess what? That's okay. Tomorrow you can file your paperwork with the state. Tomorrow you can do all the other things that you haven't done. Tomorrow you can go, oh, I didn't set up an email for this business. I need that. How easy does Google make it for us to make a G Suite account so that your email doesn't end in a Gmail, right? Your email ends in a .com that's associated to your business. All of these things have no barriers to entry today. And that's why I find it so remarkable that people are afraid to take that step because it's easier today than it's ever been to just step out. So even if you're working a corporate job and you hate it and your boss is a complete and you just want to move on in life, it's okay. You can start your side hustle without any friction and build it to something remarkable and then just move on because there's nobody controlling. You don't have to go to a media buyer in 2021. You don't have to go to a, a corporation that's going to tell you, you can't start this business. You can just start it. That's how yep. cool it is to live in the, in the time we live in. I love that. So, so the second chapter of your book talks a lot about that. You, you talk about don't prepare, just do. And in that chapter, you're advocating, just get out and start it. Don't spend you know, a year developing, developing a business plan and, and your ideal mission statement, right? Yep. Do that plan, but, but get out there and just start doing it. And a lot of this, you're only going to learn by yep. doing. Nathan, how many times have you had an idea, you shelved it, and then six months, a year later, you're driving down the road, you hear an ad, you see a billboard and you go, that's my idea, Wait, right? Because we didn't yep. execute on it when we had the thought. And I think too many people hesitate to pull the trigger when they have the idea because they're afraid of failure rather than just putting it out there and going with a version one. And I'll share this story and I'll leave the names out to protect his identity. But I have a very good friend, a dear friend who 
about a year and a half ago, decided it was time to make a major change to his business and has been working on the perfected version of what his customer base will see. A year and a half later, he still hasn't launched it. A year and a half later, he's still talking about it. A year and a half later, he still dreams and wishes that it could be a certain way. Meanwhile, in my business, we've already had four or five or six iterations of what we were doing because I'm not afraid for things to be messy. I cannot tell you as a guy who owns a global copywriting company, when somebody calls me out because there's a typo on our website, I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, guess what? We move fast and break stuff. And sometimes that's going to happen. Now, do we do that with client copy? No, we're very careful. We have a process. But sometimes I, because I'm the owner of the business, I break my own processes. I don't do the things the right way because my goal is to create a version one. Version one is always better than version none. And too many people are stuck on version none. I love so, that quote. <laughs> right. So your version one never makes it to the light. It never, it's never born. It's never, it's never utilized. And if you do a version one, then you can pull back and do the 30,000 foot view, look at it and go, Ooh, that's ugly. Ooh, that's wrong. Ooh, wow, this is really horrible. Like, okay, I got to fix that, fix this. And then you've got your version two. And each iteration gets better, leaner, more glamorous for your customers, does a better job of explaining this or that. It's just start because you cannot start anything unless you take those first steps, right? You could have the best of intentions to jump out of the airplane with the parachute on, but until your foot goes over the threshold of the damn plane, you're never going to skydive. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, they're scared of taking that step of launching that, that product. And we're finding a theme in this interview of people being scared to take steps, but sure, there, there's that fear of launching that first product until it's perfect. They want the perfect product, but what they're missing is the only way to get the perfect product is to put it out there and get real feedback from real users. There's a famous quote from uh, Mike Tyson that um, everyone has a plan until they get hit in the chin, right? Right. Till they get, yeah, that's right. Till they get punched in the face. Or they get punched in the face. That's what it is. Everyone has that's a right. plan until they get punched in the face. And we, we have this plan that we're thinking is such a great plan. And then we put it out there to the users and we hit reality. And until we get that feedback of reality, until we get punched in the face, we don't realize how our strategy has to pivot to make it really work. And if we sit there working in a vacuum forever, like one of the worst mistakes software companies can ever make is try to build software in a vacuum and get it perfect in a vacuum because it will never be perfect in a vacuum. You have to get real customers in there using the software so you know what you really need to make it. Do. And it's okay if it's a little bit ugly. You know, I, I, I've seen from, from my, my bridal photography days, my other business, I've seen brides lose it on their wedding day because they woke up with a zit. <laughs> Guess what? Photoshop fixes that stuff, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. And so many, so many business owners get stuck on perfection. And we just need minor improvements on a daily basis, not perfection from the start. Right. Because if you think about this, if, if your version one is 10% of what your vision is, but you improve just 1% every day, look yeah. at how much exponential improvement you'll have at the end of a year, right? Because it's like compound interest. 
it's not just you're improving to 11% tomorrow, right? It's, it's, it's exponential improvement. And so don't beat yourself up over the ugly. Don't beat yourself up over the mistakes. Learn from them, grow from them, and put out your minimum viable product. Your minimum viable product is all you need to start your business. And we will get to the successful product faster if we do it this way. And we will get to a better product this way than if we try to create it in a other right otherwise six months from now you're going to be driving down the road and you're going to see a billboard for your idea and go why didn't i do that yeah. right just and do you it. will have never learned that one pivot that yep. you would have learned by getting customers in the software 100 okay chapter three in your book you talk about scaling when in your business did you realize you needed to scale and how did you do it effectively so it was definitely september when i reached out to gary v and um when Brandon said yes to my, my proposal, uh, that's when I knew things were going to start to, to get better. And because I didn't have any of those systems and processes, those experiences in my wheelhouse at all. And so Brandon came in with this very logical operational mind and saw the things that we were doing and then started to work with uh, a development company that helped us build our back end of our, what we call our ad system, our advertising delivery system, and created all the integrations and automated things. And, and his goal for me was, I want to get you out of copywriting on a daily basis, right? Your job is to be the visionary of the business and to help grow the business. You can't do that if you're also in the hamster wheel. And so as my, as my head of ops, his goal was to to get me out of writing as fast as possible. And I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting because I don't know how that's going to happen. But over time, as our systems and processes became more streamlined and we developed automations to do things that used to require manual process, it got better. And what we saw was this massive growth curve about a month after Brandon started that like, if you were to look at it on a chart, it's just like straight, 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 rocket up. <laughs> and I knew I'm like, okay, this was the right decision, bringing this person in. And without Brandon at the head of our operational side of, of helping us grow and scale, I, I don't know that this business would have survived two years. Yeah. So it's important to to fill the gaps. We, we focus on our superpowers and then where we suck a little bit and, and we don't have a strength. We need to find someone to go fill that gap so that they can leverage their superpower to, to make up the difference. Correct. And what's the biggest failure or mistake you've made in your career and what'd you learn from it? Ah, oh, man, the biggest mistake I ever made was not being mature enough to filter my thoughts when I was working in the corporate world. And I think oftentimes that got me into trouble because I had no filter. And, but part of having no filter is what's made me successful. I speak my mind and I tell it like it is. And too many people are, are very thin skinned, very sensitive. And uh, many times I rub people the wrong way because I was very direct and very blunt and still am. But now yeah. that I'm my own boss, uh, it's, it's, it's a much safer playing field for me because I don't have to navigate the corporate world um, yeah. 
you know, working for a company that's got thousands of employees where I have to worry about somebody being hurt and going to HR. He hurt my feelings. Um, <laughs> you know, in my, in my company, we have a policy of radical candor and yeah. radical candor is so important in business because too many people um, are too dainty and walk around the problem and don't directly deal with it and don't directly talk about it because they don't want to hurt feelings. And, you know, you've, you've heard the expression, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Yes, there is. And it's okay to say, you know what, A for effort, but that idea doesn't make the cut. And it's okay to, to, to be direct and to be blunt. But I would say that those are probably some of my most dangerous moments in life, especially when I was working in the corporate world, because boy, would I piss people off <laughs> and get in trouble for it too. Yeah. Yeah. People like us don't do as well inside the corporate world because no. of that. We're, we're wanting to move and change and we're like Steve Jobs quote, the crazy ones. Yeah. Let's talk about monetization really quick. What okay. is your best monetization secret or strategy? Ah, when ad zombies, and I'm going to go right to the most important thing for, I believe any business owner today, it's, building a stable recurring revenue model. You can have one-off sales all day long, but unfortunately you're going to have a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs with one-off sales, right? If you're just selling uh, a burger and you're going to get that customer who comes in for a burger this week, might come in for a burger next week, maybe doesn't come in for a month, but then comes back and buys another burger. That's okay. But if you can sell them a burger subscription, Yep. Right. If you can sell them something that you know they're going to need, use something that you know they're going to consume and make it, package it in a way that's appealing, that's attractive, that gives them all the features and benefits, you're going to build an incredible business. And I think that monetizing your business beyond a single transaction, you need to build customers that are loyal, that are for life. And to build a recurring revenue model, something that gives you that, that base, that foundation of monthly sales that you know that even if your one-offs go to crap, you've got your foundational clients. That is to me the, the best way to build a healthy, sustainable business. Yeah, you'll definitely sleep a lot better at night. You can plan, you can, you, you can forecast, you can, you can do so much as a CEO when you have that stable recurring revenue stream. A hundred percent. Love it. So the next question I was going to ask, you might give the same answer to. Um, so the business world is constantly being reshaped by tectonic shifts. They're just transforming our landscape. The shift from bricks and mortar to internet or the shift from yellow pages to search engines, right? right? What do you think are the biggest tectonic shifts that we're going through today? I think today we're going through this really huge shift of people who disbelieved or didn't believe that the internet would be the future of business. And I think that the pandemic proved that to be incorrect and that the digital path for most businesses is going to be the more permanent sustainable path for those businesses moving forward. I think every business has to be prepared always for change and has to be prepared always for what's the big uh-oh that's going to happen next. Mm 
there's always going to be something that comes up. There's always going to be something that goes wrong. And so to put your business in the best possible place so that you can weather those storms is critical. And I think a lot of people didn't see the benefit. I know even I have friends that had brick and mortar stores that even though they had websites, didn't treat their websites as a sales tool. It was more of a display window. Yep. And a website isn't a display window. It's a tool to help drive business. And when they had to shift and go, oh, how do I do this, right? I'm a sit-down restaurant and now I've got to figure out a way to not be a sit-down restaurant. And how am I going to service our customers? And wait, I don't want to give up 30% to Uber Eats and, and Grubhub. I've got to figure out another way to do this. Wait, I don't even have a way for customers to order food from me online, right? I just have pretty pictures and then the menu. So they had to make all these shifts. And I think, and I just use that because that's a that's an easy example for me to pull. But there are literally thousands of businesses that went through that exact same experience at the start of the pandemic. And so I believe that the the big shift is businesses truly realizing that for them to survive and to thrive today and forward, they need to look at all avenues of growth and potential clients. I love it. One of the biggest tectonic shifts that I'm seeing today is credibility marketing. In the past, uh, businesses used to buy a bunch of advertising and then use that to tell the world how awesome they are. And today that model just isn't working very much. The businesses are perceived as biased. They're not viewed as credible. And businesses are having to turn to much more credible sources of, of advertising and marketing, such as reviews marketing or influencer marketing or testimonial marketing with clients. Um, tell me your thoughts about credibility marketing. Have you, have you seen any companies leverage credibility marketing well? Are there any stories or examples you could share with us? I think that leveraging the credibility of your brand through client stories is huge. And, you know, I, I look at what my friend Daniel Harmon at Harmon Brothers does whenever he and his company produce an ad for a client, whether it's Squatty Potty, Poopery, you know, they talk about all the reviews that the, the, the product has, but then they show reviews. They share that experience. I think that's, that's, that, that proof is so valuable to consumers because you know you can't fake that testimonial. You can't yep. fake them. Years ago, businesses would pat themselves on the back, but it's really disingenuous. Let, let your customers pat you on the back. Let your customers yep. share the story. I love featuring our client reviews, our Facebook reviews, our Google reviews, and, and some of the videos that clients have shot sharing their, their joy of working with us because that helps the potential customer, the potential client go, oh, wait a second, these guys are really good at what they do, right? Look at all these customers that, that give them five-star reviews, hundreds and hundreds of them. It, it helps your credibility as a business to have those customers that have had those great experiences be your best advocate. What do you think is the number one secret for credibility advertising that you would share with somebody? Real customers, real testimonials, and I don't care if they're ugly and raw. Let them be ugly and raw because customers see through production. They see through the, um, 
the glitz and the glamour of a well-produced video. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it's almost to the point where a, I've heard it referred to as the YouTube effect. And if you have a perfect video with perfect actors, you know, and actresses with perfect makeup and perfect lighting and perfect camera angles and the drone, and it's perceived as corporate. And just like the corporations telling the world they're awesome, that video is not credible either. And so a lot of companies now are purposely trying to create videos that look like YouTube videos that shake a little bit, where the lighting's not perfect, the actors aren't perfect, but they look like real people. And as a result, they're creating much more authentic video. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Sorry about all the dings. My, my business partner didn't realize that I was on an actual, <laughs> and, and his, his messages get through because, well, you know. Yeah, it's fine. I understand. It helps make it authentic, right? It's real. <laughs> so yeah, here we are speaking about it and, you know, it happens. Uh, you know, his yeah. messages get through to me because we're running a business and That's sometimes, right. sometimes, hey, we got to get this done. And I'm just fine with it. I know how that goes. Okay, the next chapter of your book talks about mentorship. Can yes. you talk to us about the importance of mentorship and, and how the role that mentors have played in your career? Yeah, I, I think mentorship is vitally important. I know there are some that don't believe in mentors and that's okay. If you want to be you know, a lone wolf, uh, I'm okay with that. That's your choice. But I believe mentors are so valuable because you learn from people who have already been where you want to go. And so to me, I, my goal is to always surround myself with people that are way ahead of me. And oftentimes I am the, the person in the room that has succeeded the least. And I surround myself with people that are highly successful, that have done more than me, that have made more than me, that have built more than me. And because you can see what they do and don't do and take cues from them. And I think surrounding yourself with mentors is so valuable because it's a shortcut. It's a path to not make the mistakes, to step over the potholes that you would otherwise step into. Yeah, I love it. And, and when you're at a spot in your career and you say, okay, I've just done this, right? I've just started a new podcast and it's not giving me the results that I need, for example. Then you say, okay, who has learned this, right? Who's a year ahead of me or two years ahead of me and has gone through that journey, been there and done that right. and has achieved the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now that is most important to my, my success and growth and who can help me through that. And your mentors can change, right? What I need today might be very different from what I need a year from now, but let's find the best mentor or mentors who can help me accelerate that journey. Who've already figured out what I need to figure out this coming year. I always like to say, look for mom, mentor of the moment. Yeah, that's right. Because your needs will shift as your business grows and as, as you grow personally. And be willing to pay them. You know, if we are only willing to, to bring on mentors that are willing to do it for free, it severely limits us and the quality of the mentors we're able to bring on. Instead, we should be saying, okay, what is the next mentor of the moment that I need? And... And who is the best who's done that and been wildly right. successful? And then how do I hire him? How do I get an hour of their time every other week for the next six months? And, yep. and the chance of me arriving where I need to arrive, you know, almost becomes certainty at that point. Correct. And, you know, there's a reason I went and spent money to go to Tony Robbins Business Mastery. It's proximity. And I went to Business Mastery with the goal of trying to figure out how to get better in my business 
And, but it also put me in proximity to very successful people, to Ellen Latham from Orange Theory Fitness, to Tony himself, uh, to uh, uh, Danny from Shake Shack. You know, I, proximity is very powerful and putting yourself in those positions and those places allows you to develop relationships and mentorships that you would otherwise not have access to. Thank you so much, Ken, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, there are no gatekeepers for starting a business. We can start a business today. Number two, if we launch our business or a new product now, we may be able to improve our model faster than when we try to plan it to perfection before launching. Version one is always better than version none, and too many people are stuck on version none. Number three, recurring revenue can help us build loyal customers, predict and make our plans for our business, and it can help us sleep better at night. Number four, we must be able to adapt to big changes. Number five, we should let our customers be our advocates. And number six, we can find a mentor to help us with where we are in our career at this moment. To learn more about or connect with Ken, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or visit his website at spankymoskowitz.com. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn to identify and leverage the highest passions of our ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in starting or improving. Editor, I'm going to do that last sentence again. I wish you success in starting or improving your business. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.